US dollar is stronger against the euro after solid US consumption data and more signs of moderate European inflation. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. Then we have part two of our bonus deep dive into China's property market and the risk of a black swan event. Here's Raymond Jung. Any policy misstep would trigger a sudden and very rapid change in price expectation. If that happens, that will risk the mortgage portfolio in the Chinese banking sector. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ, number one. The US dollar is stronger this morning, especially against the euro, after we got fresh data showing real personal spending in the US was up 0.6% in July. While the core personal spending deflator, which is a key thing the Fed watches, that was modest at 0.2% for the month. Here's ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin. When you drill into the numbers, it does show that service price inflation is proving to be really quite sticky. It rebounded to 0.45% on the month, up from 0.34% in June. And I think it just tells us that getting core inflation down in the United States is going to take some time. Number two, Europe's core inflation was solidly low in August, with core inflation of 0.3%. That's not much changed from the trend the last four months of 0.2%. That's telling me that there is an underlying improvement in inflation taking place in Europe. I think that would be consistent with the ECB holding rates steady when they meet in September, which would be the first time that they've held rates steady in 10 meetings. Number three, Australian capital expenditure was also solid in July, but not too strong, as ANZ's chief economist for Australia, Adam Boyton, tells us. It's not strong, and some of the lift in investment intentions that was reported today will be, I guess, deflated away by higher costs for machinery and equipment and construction costs. But I think it makes people feel a little more confident that we will see some growth in business investment through the course of the next 12 months. And I guess that sits reasonably consistently with the relatively high level of business conditions that we're still seeing in a number of surveys. Number four, there was some reasonably rare good news from China's economy late yesterday. The performance of manufacturing index data was slightly better than expected. Here's ANZ senior China strategist Zhao Pangjing with the detail. The key message from this data is that China economic activity is uh, bottoming uh, out now. So we uh, this PMI data uh, is an early sign that the economic growth momentum is improving now. We can be more uh, optimistic about the growth outlook for China uh, in the second half of this year. This uh, improvement uh, in PMI data is not a broad recovery of the economy. I think the biggest contribution for the PMI data came from the chemistry and the auto sectors. Number five, there's also a sunnier outlook from New Zealand's businesses. ANZ New Zealand Chief Economist Sharon Zollner reports there was a surge in business confidence in August, as measured by ANZ's monthly business confidence survey. There are clear headwinds, and and you can see some of them in the survey, but it's probably fair to say that actually it's been pretty resilient insofar as these indicators 
dropped in December, which was quite a long time ago. Uh, and I think what caused that was the Reserve Bank in November hiking rates 75 basis points in one hit and talking about a deliberate recession. Uh, but since then, of course, they, they raised a little bit more, but then they called a pause, which I think does seem to be creating some kind of sense that perhaps the worst is over. And indeed, in the month of August, the biggest jump uh, was in construction and particularly in that residential space. So it does seem that the housing market finding a flaw has changed the vibe a little bit there, even though interest rates are still so high. Sharon Zollner there from ANZ New Zealand. Now for part two of our bonus deep dive into China's property market with ANZ's Chief Economist for Greater China, Raymond Jung. My colleague Catherine Dyer asked him about the risks of a black swan event. Universally, many financial crises came from uh, property market. And because property is such an asset that uh, serves both uh, the housing function and the investment function, and there is a very complex um, financial relationship between uh, property, real estate, and also banking sector, as well as the shadow banking sector. Now, for example, we know that currently uh, the trust sector is a part of the shadow banking sector uh, has also experienced some default because of the property downturn. And at the moment, the formal banking sector remains intact. If there is any mismanagement of property policy in China, uh, that result in rapid decline in Chinese property price, eventually that will spill over to uh, other part of the financial system. And uh, that could easily turn into a black swan event that uh, even the policymakers, economists, and even households uh, might not expect uh, this type of outcome. Is the unintended consequence of any mismanagement of policy measure would sometimes turn into a black swan event. And so I, I think that um, the Chinese authorities um, keeping an eye on that very closely. It is a matter of how the central government can uh, also pass this message to the local authorities so that they understand what they're doing. will also have some spillover effect to other cities in the country. Is there any scenario in which banks would move to eject homeowners um, the, the way that happened in the US? Now, at the moment, as long as the household uh, can pay and uh, continue to uh, honour their financial commitment, I don't think that banks were really actively asking um, homeowners to uh, liquidate their asset. And to, this is why that is so important uh, for China to have more su- a growth supportive policy in order to secure uh, employment in China. So I, I think that even if there is a price pressure on China, then um, the uh, first segment the leadership really want to protect is to ensure that uh, the houses are still providing the housing function of the self-use owners so that the scenario of asking people to leave and to have a, to force the foreclosure uh, situation will be uh, lost less uh, intense than uh, other countries. For example, you mentioned about uh, the US situation. It's very unlikely to happen in China. Okay, so what's the bottom line here? I think the bottom line um, of our research is that uh, currently we don't see there's an immediate uh, risk for the Chinese uh, mortgage portfolio. But at the same time, the policy direction 
should be managed very carefully because never say life never. Any policy misstep would trigger a sudden and very rapid change in price expectation. If that happens, that will risk the mortgage portfolio in the Chinese banking sector and result in a big financial problem of banking stability and the wider risk to the overall economy. Raymond Young there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Friday, September the 1st. Catch you on Monday with the US non-farm payrolls news, which is out tonight. Brian Martin's expecting 170,000 new jobs. This podcast was recorded for publication on behalf of ANZ. All associated disclosures and disclaimers can be viewed using the link in your media player or the ANZ website through which you access this podcast. All care has been taken to report the views of ANZ Research in the creation of this podcast, but as an independent host, any differing interpretations are strictly mine and not ANZ's. Feel free to contact your ANZ point of contact with any questions.